0: Welcome back to the Impact Church Podcast. Glad to have you. We're in the early stages of our series called Boot Camp. And Boot Camp is a series in the book of Joshua coupled with the book of Ephesians, which is the New Testament version of Joshua, moving ahead as a people possessing the promises of God, laying hold of his eternal purpose for us as a community. So we want to talk about being determined today. We are determined. That means we're going to be bold and we're going to be courageous. We're going to possess what God has for us. Courage is rightly esteemed as the first of human qualities because it's the quality which guarantees all others. That's a quote from Winston Churchill. So come on, let's be encouraged to be bold. Let's be encouraged to move ahead and possess what God has for us. Praise the Lord. So we're going somewhere. So we're in a boot camp. Say boot camp. That means we're, we know that we're going somewhere and we're preparing to go to a place. So there are things we can do now to prepare for what's next. There are things we can do now as a group and we're doing them things. We're right now, we're at work with architects and engineers and different things pop up, and the architects, uh, she drew like a two-foot-high stage, and I'm like, well, that's not going to do. How many think we need a higher stage than two-foot? It's The stage is like over 80 feet long, so it's going to have to be more than two feet high, don't you think? So said, so, well then we're gonna get an engineer. Then we gotta get an engineer because we want a big stage. We want it to be big. We're gonna do all kinds of wild presentations on that. Gonna be so now we had to get an engineer and do a bunch of things. So you know we know what's next. We're preparing for what's next in a physical way. We're doing that. I was over there this week and they're cleaning things out, getting ready. Uh, we got an HVAC guy who's got all the drawings and ready to give me a quote and start to run. We haven't even got a, a building permit yet, and the city's moving kind of slow. Uh, if you work for the city, I love you. And they keep telling me we're working from home. I said, you are home. I'm not sure about the other word, but people are home. But, uh, but it's moving kind of slow. And so uh, thankfully our landlord is willing to do a bunch of work anyways, and uh, we'll just make sure that everything is left open so when it's inspection time they can come and see but we're, we're building a, uh, we're, the Lord says He's making capacity in us, and if He's making capacity in us, it means that there's something bigger and more special He wants to do with us, in us, and through us. So, I'm pretty excited about it. Are you at all excited about this? There's a reason, there's a reason we're in this building. We're in this building because we're going somewhere. And while we're in this building, we're kind of feeling it out. Now, I had some of the kids downstairs before. They're already enjoying church. And, and one of Henry's kids said, uh, you know, really love the gymnasium. Are we buying this church, Pastor? So uh, I said, I don't know, maybe. You know. So the kids want the gymnasium. So maybe we'll have to do something. So... Uh, But we believe God is big and he's doing a great big thing. But there's things we can do right now to prepare for what's next. So I want us, as we're preparing a new place to go, I want us to to center ourselves and focus ourselves and be ready to do uh, exploits. Because those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. There's two things to consider. No matter where you are, there you are. No matter where, you can change your heritage, you can change your scene, you can change your view, but you know what? There's something common. There's still you. So the new view doesn't mean new you. Even if you know what's next, doesn't mean you're ready. I shared with that last week. I mean, you remember those words, I do? I said I do. I tell you, I don't know. Well, after was six months, I said, I'm not sure if I can, but I did say I do. And you know, God's been faithful. He's been, been uh, you know, changing my wife. So it's really good. So, but... But, you know, just because you know what's next doesn't mean you're ready. So we want to prepare for that. Regret is the second largest emotion that people express. And I thank God love is the first one. So, but studies have shown that we're, yeah, regret. And, and regret is, what if I could have? Huh? A few years back when we started this whole thing, let's sell the building and let's do something. Uh, it started with Tommy Tenney. When I listened to him and Tommy Tenney, uh, First Assembly in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, big church. His, his son built the Dream Center in L.A. and he went to his dad and his dad took up an offering, a couple million dollars, said let's do it. But Tommy Tenney's a guy who's done some stuff, done some ministry stuff. And he's like 80 years old and they said, Tommy, looking back over life, I mean, you know, is there anything you would have done different in, in ministry? And so, I mean, I pay attention then, right? I don't know. about you but I pay attention when I'm listening to a leader a significant leader and and what would you have done different I said I want to know what a guy like that would have done different he says I would have risked more I would have risked more I don't even know if we're risking enough but we want to do more we want to do more and I I just want to do more I, I where are you going to be in five years what's life going to look like for you in five years is it going to look the same as it does today I mean, would you feel like, wow, I wish something different happened over these five years? I wish, I'm expected in five years that things are going to shift in a big way. And I'm pressing hard on the plans and the dreams that God's put on my heart. And I want to see a shift. I want to see things transform. I want to see the city transform. I want to see this community transform. You know, in the last five years, I've seen this area grow worse and worse. You know what? I want to believe for better and better in this community. I want to see London touched, healed, and transformed. I don't want to personally be like I am five years from now. But I don't want my community, my family, everything around me. I want to see the blessing of God. Because it says, I will bless you more and more. You and your children and your children's children. So there is... An outpouring from heaven right now that is released to impact and transform my life. To take me to a a new level of blessing and expectation. And so I want to put a demand on that. I want to say, yes, Father. I want to open my heart to what he's doing today in a big way. So we don't want to be in if only land. Let's get fixed in a position and a possession mindset so last week we talked about release reflect and resolve and we're going to talk a little bit more about resolve I had to use the word determine so I got determined I put that in there because really I'm going to talk about courage but it it doesn't start with a d so we started with the declutter How, how many were helped by declutter just a little bit declutter helped you a little bit all right, the rest of you were sleeping. But, anyways, declutter. And declutter is a good thing because you got to unpack some stuff. And I, you know, we decluttered. I can't believe we had as much stuff as we did over there at 220 Adelaide Street. But we decluttered some stuff. We leaned down. We're getting ready. So we want to do that. First thing we want to do is we want to remove things that are unnecessary. If there's weights and things that are holding us back, we want to cut that off right now. We're going to eliminate that first thing. Boom. We're going to cut off the things that are not useful to us moving forward. We're going to lean ourselves down to do these great things for God. So determine. Determine is where we're at. So we're going to declutter and now we're going to determine. Now the book of Joshua, if book of Joshua is in the Old Testament. Say Old Testament. All right. So, and we live in a new covenant season. We live in a new covenant time. So whenever you read the Old Testament, you got to realize the God is not a different God in the Old Testament, but it was a different covenant. There were different rules. There's different ways that God interacted with people. There, the people in the Old Covenant were different. They were different. Their concept of God was based on where they were, their surroundings. We can't read Joshua and think that he had a worldview like we do. He really, really didn't. And so we have to understand as we read Old Testament books, we got to read it through a proper lens. And whenever we New Covenant people read an Old Testament book, we've got to be looking for Jesus, Because when Jesus, who's the author, the living word, that word, when he interpreted the word, he said, the word was written to show me. On the road to Emmaus, he spoke to those guys and he went all the way from the beginning all the way to the end of the Old Testament. It was written to reveal Jesus. And if you don't see Jesus in the text where it says, and he smote them all, you need to think about that. You need to read that. You need to bring it into a new covenant lens Because our God is not some angry God who wants to destroy nations. True story. But the book of Ephesians would be a a book. It would be the Joshua of the New Covenant would be the book of Ephesians. Because Joshua is about someone leading a group of people into a full realization of their inheritance. It's about a leader leading people into the full manifestation and the full expression of the purpose of God. And the beautiful thing about Ephesians is Ephesians doesn't go back to the beginning of Genesis Ephesians goes back to the beginning of eternal purpose. Ephesians really is, goes back into the first of everything. It goes back into the eternal intentions of God and reveals for us not the temporal purposes of God, but the eternal purposes of God. Hey! Amen. Praise the Lord. So Ephesians chapter 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. In him we have obtained an inheritance. So we are blessed and we've been blessed. We've been given a promise just as Abraham and his descendants were blessed and they had a promised land to move into and Joshua is taking them into the fullness of that promise. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and we are blessed to possess. We are blessed to go in. We are blessed to embrace this rich, eternal purpose of God and realize this wonderful inheritance that is ours today. Hey, man, I feel Jesus. It's good stuff. Ephesians chapter, i got to stay with my clicker at the same time. It says that he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, put him in the place of absolute authority in heavenly places, far above all. Far above all. Jesus has conquered everything. He's conquered every enemy of our soul, every enemy of the purpose of God. He has conquered all and he is seated. Why do you sit down? You sit down because you are finished. And he is enthroned. He has completed everything necessary for the realization of his purpose. And he has sat down at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things under his feet. Say feet. See, feet are an expression of rule and reign and dominion. When I go to India, they don't let me wear my shoes into the church. And if, especially if I go on the platform, you don't wear shoes on the platform. And the reason they do that is because this is not your house. I don't care who you say you are. I don't care what a mighty man of God you are. This is not your house. You do not have a dominion here. This is the authority and the dominion of the Father, who it's his Father's house, and the Father alone has all power, authority, and dominion. And when you walk into the house of God, remove your shoes from your feet, for you are on holy ground. And see, even in Jewish culture, the reason you took your shoes off wasn't because they wanted the carpet to stay clean. You took your shoes off because you were acknowledging, I'm coming into another person's dominion. But he's put all things under his feet. And he's placed all things under our feet because he's given the church all power, all authority in this age. The church's next thing isn't, let's escape and get out of here, everybody. Let's plan for a quick backdoor exit. Woo! He put all things under our feet because in and through us, he wants to reign and rule right now until every single last enemy has made his footstool. The God of peace, shalom, the God of absolute victory will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. And he shared with us all great power, great authority, and great dominion. So we're here in a boot camp because we're not just, let's get a, another place to fellowship. Let's get a bigger barn and invite some people. We're getting a bigger barn because we're taking a bigger chunk. This is just one of many, many steps to be sure that the dominion and authority, that the eternal purpose of God is manifest and realized all over the places where he's given us responsibility. We're going to bear that responsibility as good stewards. And we're going to demonstrate and manifest the power of God. Hey! Wow. All right. He put all things under his feet and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Because he is the head. But he's not some, he's not some bodiless thing. Sadly, the church is a headless thing. The church is like a Halloween character. It's running around without headship. But you see, he is the head of the church. He, We are the body of Christ. He says, a body I have prepared for myself. Knit together, as Peter said, we are living stones to manifest and declare the praises of God. A beautiful, wonderful community of priests, of kings, manifesting the authority of God in the earth. And we are not here to tolerate and cohabit with nonsense. We are here to exercise the authority of God and to bring the manifestation of his kingdom as it is in heaven. So it shall be in my life, in my home, in my neighborhood, in my community, in my city, the kingdom of God. Amen. What a good looking group of people, my goodness. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So how is God Almighty going to fill the earth with his glory? Look around. Look around. Because out of your belly, that's why mine's a little larger than some, is going to flow rivers. Not a river, but rivers of redemption, of power, of grace, of healing. Of Majesty, of Peace, out of us we are living, walking, mobile dispensers of the favor of God everywhere we go. Don't ever diminish who you are. Oh, makes me lift up my head. I'm a. I walk with a noble gait because I am. He is the King of Kings. He is the King of Kings. We are that royal priesthood. We are the bridges to manifest and to bring into manifestation the Kingdom of God. How are you? I'm feeling a little more zeal on this than I uh, did in my preparation. (laughs) All right. Joshua 1, 3 to 9. Let's read this. Joshua 1, 3 to 9. Last week, we started with Moses is dead. You had to tell him, Moses is dead. You need to understand, the season has shifted. There's something new going on, and you need to prepare yourself. So then he said, every place, the sole of your foot See, now, that meant something to them. Because when I put my foot on it, it means it's mine. It means it now comes under authority and dominion of us. So wherever we as the church of God today take our feet and put our feet, we then are exercising the authority and the dominion of Almighty God. It says wherever you place that sole of your foot, wherever it treads, and that word tread is not to land on. It is more, it's a word kof. It means to, it means to go forward and possess. It's like, It's not like, it's not like, it's like, grab and, and just completely take authority over. So wherever you put the sole of your foot, wherever you tread, whatever you tread upon, it ha- I have given it to you, as I said to Moses. So they were told they knew that this promise, to move into this land of promise, it was there. So they knew that. From the wilderness of Lebanon to the great river to the river Euphrates and the land of the Hittites and the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. 30,000 square miles of which they only possessed 10%. They only ever fully possessed 3,000 square miles of the promise of God. God's promise was way bigger than they laid hold of. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Isn't that nice for Joshua? I mean, if you're going to go into some place where 40 years ago we backed up and said, no way, but you and Caleb were the only two guys alive from that generation, and now it's your turn to go and possess what you believed for 40 years ago. You're gonna go possess a land that was full of giants. Full. Of, they felt like we are grasshoppers. We are, we are tiny compared to the people who possess that land. And now Joshua is saying, we're gonna go do it now. It's a really good thing when you're gonna go face armies that are way stronger than you. I got a whole group of people who've never known conflict. They've never known battle. I mean, they are the, the children, the sons and daughters of sl- slaves. Slaves who lived in disobedience. They've wandered around the desert. They've never even they've never even dug a hole or planted a plant. They've lived off a manna from heaven and water from a rock. I got one massive, helpless group of people who've been spoon-fed by the Almighty all this time. And now we're gonna go and take over this territory that is filled with mighty nations and kings and giants. Yes, we are. We ate garlics and leeks smelly stuff in egypt we ate what is it in the wilderness and in the wilderness that's where people are that's where like new converts are in the wilderness what is it you need to be baptized in water what is it you need to read your bible what is it you need to pray to jesus what is it but we're going to walk into a land where we now eat a meal where we depend on resurrection power. Where we take a seed, we put it into the soil, and we let it die. And we believe that I'm going to live every day and I'm going to possess and operate out of the miraculous every day of my life. This is a massive transition, people. It's a massive transition. No man shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Are you ready for that? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God is for you, who, who, who let the dogs out? If God is for you, who can be against you? Do you know how advantaged you are in this new covenant? This is Joshua. This is the old covenant. This is him walking and coming to the place, all of it leading up to the manifestation of Jesus. But when Jesus came, he opened the door in a much bigger way. We have a new covenant where it's not God around us helping us. It's God in us manifesting his glory in our world and in all the earth. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That's good to hear. Thank you very much. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Amen. These are all promises that we can embrace. Much better promises. The promises of the new covenant are so much better. Hebrews is all about better. We have a better covenant than they operated in. But Joshua must have felt you know, lifted up, must have felt encouraged to hear what the Lord was saying to him. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide an in inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very Courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper everywhere you go. You see, there was a law in the old covenant, but we are in a law of a new covenant. Jesus said, Teach them to obey my commandments. He didn't say teach them to obey the commandments. He said, teach them to obey my commandments. And in the upper room where they had the cup, he said, I'm going to give you a new covenant. And then he said, and the new covenant has new commandments. He said, the old covenant now has become obsolete. We have a new covenant. It's a covenant of, it's not love your neighbor as yourself. Please don't love me like that because most of my neighbors don't even love themselves. See, in our covenant, it's love others as I have loved you. See, I want to be loved as God has loved you. I want to express love to others as God has loved me. I don't want that quality to start with me. I want that quality to start with God baptizing me with his love and letting it be expressed in and through my life. Absolute forgiveness, absolute love, unconditional mercy. That's what we want to manifest. So be courageous. Be courageous. Verse 8. This is a great verse. Let the, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And you shall meditate. Meditate means like regurgitate. It's like a cow that has, like, how many stomachs? Five or six stomachs, and it's like, let's throw that one back into another belly throw that back in another body. So it's the same word. It's the word "hugga. It's like meditate. It's like regurgitate. I mean, meditate on the word of God. Meditate on the new covenant. Meditate on the wonderful gospels. Meditate on the revelation of the apostle Paul. Meditate. Just meditate deeply on the revelation that we have as a new covenant people. And I love these promises, though, because, you know, you do it that you might observe it, but also you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you and he's with you Wherever you go, that's a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing to start with this kind of stuff. Let's declutter. Let's, let's get rid of stuff that's unnecessary. Now, let's really refocus. Let's, let's really embrace the promise of God. Let's be determined by the encouraging word. Let's be determined by his eternal purpose. Let's be determined by the revelation of who we are. Let's be determined by his word, his destiny, his purpose for our lives. Amen. So I want to show you a couple things about courage. One act of courage can open the door to significant transformation. Do we need a battery? Are we running out of battery? Praise the Lord. Thank you very much for the way you serve us and, and work with us. We could use more volunteers, couldn't we? We really could. But we're very grateful for the media team. We really are. But we could always use more people on the media team. We'd use more people in the usher team. We'd use more people helping us park people on Sundays. So we're not waiting until we get to 1,200 to expand and see God's growth and to see people touched and healed and ministered to. It's on. But it means we're going to need your help. We're going to need some more volunteers. So every one of you are conscripted every week. You can volunteer. How many love volunteering, like, every week? You know, I I was a kid. I I grew up as a pastor's kid, so I never, ever got to volunteer. There's no such thing as a volunteer. I mean, imagine me saying to my wife, Honey, I'm going to volunteer tonight to do the dishes. I mean, why? I'd say that once. <laughs> like, volunteer? Are you kidding? This is your home. This is our home. You have a responsibility just like I do. I said, oh, I thought that was your job. I was going to volunteer to do your job. Like, what are you doing volunteering in the house of God? Don't volunteer. Just show up and give everything and serve every which way you can because we're in this together. That was just such a gentle encouragement from your pastor (laughs) so gentle one act of courage can open the door to significant transformation one act of courage you're going to have so many opportunities maybe even today throughout the week throughout your life you have so many opportunities to manifest an act of courage let me let me give you something here right there how many remember this act of courage You're way at the back, you may not be able to see it, but uh, this was in Tiananmen Square. This was in Beijing. It was uh, June 5th, 1989 in Beijing. The government, the day before, had just brought tanks into that square and violently put down a protest. Um, How many were not even alive for that? I was, you know, I remember that. But this was the next day. This is a guy with his... This is a guy with his briefcase in one hand, and he picked up dinner in the other hand. And you know, these tanks were coming down, and they were leaving Tiananmen Square. And he walked out in the middle, and he stood in front of the tank. And the tank actually stopped, and then the tank went this way, and he walked over. And the tank went that way, and he walked over. And you can go, you can Google it, and you can watch it on video. You can't Google it and watch it in video in China, because it's been banned. It's never going to be shown. A whole generation won't even know that happened. But one man, and he's called Tank Man. That's his name. You can Google Tank Man, and he'll come up. Nobody knows who he is. They're not sure what happened to him after that, nor do they know what happened to the fellow who was driving the tank who did not run him over. We don't know where that crew is either. But this was one man, and it's become an iconic picture. It's become a picture of a generation. It's considered one of the most amazing uh, acts of courage that's ever been seen. And he says, you might have, you know... Violently put down a protest so some of my friends might have been killed and died, but I'll have you know the spirit in me is not broken. And one act of courage is still working, it's still shifting, and is still moving in the hearts of a nation, of a group of people that are still stu- struggling for freedom from oppression. And I was just one man. And you know what? I don't think that morning that he started his day saying, "I'm going to do something courageous today. I'm going to stand in front of a tank." This was a random act. This was in a moment, he saw something, and he acted, and he did something. And this one courageous act has spoken and has been a, a call to a generation. Let's contend for freedom. Another act of freedom, Rosa Parks. The bus The bus that this happened in is in a museum. And Rosa Parks, again, Rosa Parks, she actually... Uh, bought some things and and was going home later that day than she usually did. And she usually caught the bus. But she didn't wake up that day and say, I'm going to do an amazing act of courage. Maybe it's because she didn't have to do that. Maybe because living as a courageous individual was something that was in her. It was in her DNA to live every moment of my life looking for opportunities to be courageous. It's not something that one day you prepare for and today's my day, today I'll do it. But there's people who in the moment, because of the values, because of things that were in their lives, suddenly it came into manifestation and expression and it became a one act, and an act that caused, a courageous act that brought about transformation. Rosa Parks, when she got on the bus, she, she usually avoided this bus because she knew the driver and the driver would all was, the black folks, they would get on, he made them pay at the front, then he made them get out and go to the back, and after they paid, he would close the doors and drive away. And she was so annoyed with this guy, she, she would never get on the bus where he was there. But for whatever reason, she happened to get on the bus, and he was the driver, and she was seated back there, and you had white only seats at the front, you had open seats in the middle, and you had black seats at the back. Well, you know what? It wasn't a full bus, so there were some open seats in the middle. So she sat down. There was a black man beside her at the window. And there was another, a couple of black ladies on the other side. And then a white man got on and all the white seats were taken. So the bus driver got up and said, you people, move out. And the two ladies, they moved out. The man, he moved out and she slid over to the window seat and just looked out the window. I'm not moving. And she refused to move. And this nasty man came back with all kinds of stuff, said, I'm going to throw you off the bus. She says, whatever you got to do. She said, I'm not putting up with this anymore. You know, this was an act of courage. This was in uh, 1995, December 1st. I mean, she's considered a soft-spoken African-American seamstress who refused to give up her seat for a white man. I don't believe in white privilege. Well, they had it there. If you were a white man you had privilege, you got to sit down. But here's one person who said, that's enough. One person's act of courage has been something that's been an iconic picture. That bus itself, the bus itself has been preserved. All the other buses went to the scrap heap, but that bus was special because of her one act of courage that day. It's transformed things. Things still need some transforming. But thank God for one person. And you know what? It wasn't like God said, today, Rosa, you're going to do something courageous. That day, it was random. But that day, because there was something in her, because she was prepared as an individual, that if there's a courageous opportunity, I'm ready. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. October 31st is not Halloween. It is a Hallowed Eve. But you know what happened on October 31st? This guy right here, Martin Luther, he nailed a thesis to the wall of a church, the door of a church at Gutenberg. He was fed up with institutional church. He was fed up with the bondage. He was fed up with the church raising money by saying, we'll forgive your sins if you send us a check. Gee, I'd like to write that thesis today. You send us a check, we'll send you a little bottle of blessing. You send us a check and we'll send you these five little things that will transform your life forever. Sounds a little bit like the indulgences that he despised. And yet we tolerate it on Christian TV all over the place today. Oh my goodness! You'll be blessed if you check these three boxes. Glory to God. I am blessed. I'm blessed because I'm blessed. I'm not blessed because of a single thing I've done. I'm blessed because Almighty God has chosen to bless me. He has qualified me. I am blessed. And there's no toil, there's no effort that will ever change the fact that I am blessed. And I get highly annoyed when the charismatic world says you can be more blessed. So God blessed me, but I can get more blessed. Wowzers. It's not even in the Bible. Martin Luther nailed that to that wall. October 31st, it was October 31st, 1517, and a reformation began. And all over the world, a reformation began that the just shall live by faith. Solo fide, faith alone. And yet we got the church today still saying, yeah, faith only, pastor, but you gotta, you gotta, 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 gotta. Faith alone. One brave, courageous monk said, I've had enough. Hello, how are you? The just shall live by faith. And there's no and. If you add anything else to the gospel, it's a different gospel and it has no power. How are you today? Courage is not the absence of fear. Amen. (laughs) Courage is not the absence of fear. And I look at I'm getting text. So it doesn't show up on there. Eh? Wow, well, I should have put my phone on airplane mode. Getting text while I'm preaching. So good. Courage expressed makes fear stand in the corner. It's not that you're courageous because you don't have any fear. I wish I was fearless. Courageous people are not fearless. They've just told fear to behave. Stand in the corner. Shut up. You know, courage is when you do it anyways. Courage is when you do it in the face of fear. It's not like, well, I would be courageous if I wasn't so fearful. You know what? Courageous people face the same stuff. They just tell it to line up. They just tell faith, behave. Faith or faith, behave. Fear, stand in the corner because I'm not going to be ruled or governed by you ever again. Hello. We're talking about courage. Courage, Karl Barth, one of the greatest theologians, he said, Courage is fear that has said its prayers. I just thought that was interesting. So I threw it out. One of my other favorite theologians, Winston Churchill. He said, Courage is rightly esteemed, the first of all human qualities. Why? Because it is the quality which guarantees all others. Courage is the quality. Courage is the characteristic that qualifies, or it causes it to be absolute certain and guarantees every other value in your world. A lot of courageous people. Abraham was courageous. God came to Abraham and said, Go! Where am I going? Just go! Go! Where where do you want me to go? Just go. And he got up and he went. Because Abraham exercised faith, he heard a word from God, just go, he went. And because he went, we're here today. Because Abraham honored the word of God, even though he didn't know where he was going. He just believed that this God who he didn't even know, he's a pagan, and suddenly he heard a word, go. And he believed it was an almighty being who said, go, I got a claim on your life. And he went, even though he didn't know where I'm going or what's going to happen. He went, and he did something great. He acted courageous, and we are here today. I'm not shouting, I'm just raising my voice. Moses! Moses! I mean, he he ran away from the purposes of God, went off 40 years the other side of the Desert, like, ugh. All of a sudden, a, a bush starts burning. All of a sudden, God says, hey, I want you to get back into my purposes. He's like, no, send somebody else. But God finally convinced him to do it. Then Moses did it. He went, and he faced the greatest king of the known world, and he stood in his place. He said, let my people go. I mean, one man was willing to walk before the greatest ruler of the day and say, what you're doing is wrong. You got a bunch of people in bondage, and they need to be free. And I'm here to tell you, stop it and let them go. But God was with him, and God gave him authority. God gave him power. God gave him signs. And he did something incredible, but he began with courage. Courage. David, I love David. Don't you love David? I mean, even if you don't go to church, you've heard of David and Goliath. I mean, you know that story about a a little teenage boy who went with a slingshot and took out a giant. I mean, I love that David's going to take pizzas to his brothers to to bribe the commander to get them sent to the back row of the fight. But when he gets there, he sees this big giant. He's going, what's going on? Well, he says, anybody, just one person come, you fight. Just our fight, will deal with it all. Just us fighting, and that'll settle it once and for all. David said, I'm in. They said, oh, go away, you rotten little kid. He said, no, I'm in. And the king was so desperate for somebody to show up and do something, he said, let's give the teenager a shot. And he ran down there, and he ran after. He said, this is so exciting. Woo! I come at you in the name of my God. Woo! I mean, the victory is the Lord's. Woo! The battle is God's. And he's running at this giant with a slingshot, and his mouth wide open, declaring a preferred future. Because one person with courage is a majority in every circumstance. I love that story, don't you? Man going after Moby Dick with a rowboat and a spoon and some tartar sauce. Woo! Makes me want to grab a corn stalk and jump over hell and spit in the devil's eye. All right. Boom, David, I love David, but David, that one act of courage changed everything. That one act of courage gave them authority over their enemies from that day forward. That one act of authority. Courage transformed the world. Daniel, Daniel, oh, king, don't let anybody pray to another god. If they do, you kill him. They said, whoever does will kill him, right? Okay, okay, let's do that. Daniel heard that. Daniel opened his windows. He didn't go to a closet. He didn't hide in a corner and pray. He opened his windows like he always did. And he prayed in public for everybody to see. I don't care what they say. My God is God. He is king, and I will serve him. And you know, the next day, you know what happened? He gets thrown in the lions. Then you know what happens after that? The king runs, Are you okay, Daniel? And Daniel says, Oh, king, I am fine. You know what happened? In one day, it became a nation where God is now our God. In one day, they went from paganism to serving the living God because of one man's act of courage. Hey! I and mean, there's all kinds of stories in history. There's all kinds of stories in the Bible. There's the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul was murdering Christians, and then he gets knocked off his horse, and then God says, come, I want to show you what you must suffer for me. And Paul knew that I'm going to take the gospel throughout the known world. And everywhere I go, I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be stoned. I'm going to be shipwrecked. I'm going to be dragged out of town. I'm going to be persecuted. And now he was told up front that this is what's going on. He cried, oh, God, take this from me. And here's the promise he got. My grace is sufficient for you. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, had courage even in the face of a a call that was going to be painful, and he'd endure hardship. And even though he knew about it, he did not shrink or back down. He went full face on, and he served the purpose of God in his generation. He served the purpose of God in his generation. David served the purpose of God in his generation, and then he died. Carl served the purpose of God in his generation, and then he died. Put that on my tombstone. He served the purpose of God in his generation. There's a purpose for us. There's a purpose for you. There's a purpose for us together. We need to declutter our lives, but then we need to be determined. We need to be courageous because we've got a responsibility today. Not to attend church, you know, one Sunday out of four. We're not doing little religious exercises that we participate in every once in a while. I got to go somewhere. We're a community forged in fire and purpose and power, and for such a time as this, He's brought us together. I don't want to dwell carelessly right now. I want to be determined. I want to be courageous. If you've got a little bit of knowledge of what God called you to do, then you've got a responsibility to step up. Let's do something great for God. Hey, Pastor ate his Wheaties this morning. Joshua needed courage. I mean, he needed courage because he's a new leader. I mean, Moses is gone. Moses was a pretty amazing leader. I mean, wow, he was the leader, and now he's gone, and now i got to go, hey, guys, it's me now. God's going to speak through me and I'm going to lead you into some stuff. And wow, that's tough. Moses did some amazing things, right? I mean, he went, we got out of there because Moses confronted Pharaoh. I mean, wow, did you see what happened? That rod in his hand, that was lightning. I mean, bam, he opened the red sea, took us across. Wow, did you see that? And now Moses, Joshua's like, uh, uh, wow, you got to have a little bit of courage. That's a new transition, a new transition. Also, you, you got to realize that he had never been this way before. I'm not leading them, let's continue to do what Moses did and let's go in circles in the wilderness. But I'm now going to do something we've never done before. I got no roadmap for this. I mean, I got nothing. It's not like, uh, here, do what Moses did. I mean, Moses never took us in. Moses can't take you in. The law can't take you in. The old covenant can't take you in. It's got to be Jesus. He'll take him in. Boom, boom. It says people. <laughs> Here's another one. You ready? Right here. Joshua, when you cursed, because people can be nasty. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about you. Well, you know, some of you. Well, maybe not any of you. Maybe it's you on the camera. I don't know. You know, I mean, he saw, Moses saw what the people did. They were grumbling, complaining. They attacked this leadership all the time. And so I got to do what Moses did? I got to put up with all of this stuff? I mean, oh, my goodness, can you pick somebody else? Because people can be nasty. And... I, I, Um, This is the part of the sermon that you apply to other people in other churches and other places. We're not talking about you or me. It's just an overall teaching that I had to share. There are challenges because you are going to go into a place where there are enemies. You're going to go into a place where there are giants. You're going to go into a place where there's a people that are trained for warfare and they're a little frightening. And so Joshua needed courage. And God said to him be strong and very courageous three times because this is going to be something you need in this new phase of life and ministry. Hello. All right, that was fun, wasn't it? How many got traumatized there? Just a little bit. How many want me to put my hair head picture up again? (laughs) Thank you, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. Joshua had a reason for courage. Look at this. Joshua had a reason for courage. He had a working relationship with God. I mean, he was with Moses. When Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments, was in the glory of God. If you read it, Joshua was with him. Moses' a servant was with him. Joshua had all those experiences with Moses. He got absolutely whacked in the glory of God. It says they're in the Tenth of Meeting, and God's speaking to Moses, giving him direction. Then he's going, okay, Joshua, let's go. And Joshua's like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Uh. He said, okay, stay here. Joshua stayed. In the presence of God. He marinated in the glory of God. He marinated in a wonderful relationship with God. He knew he had a working relationship with God. He had a work. Do you have a working relationship with God? He had a working relationship with God. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. He had a promise from God. Everywhere you go, wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. He had a commitment from God that no man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Would you be courageous if you had that? I mean, would you step out a little bit if you had that? I mean, if God spoke those things to you, would you step up and say, I'll be courageous today? Would you? You got more than that. Joshua had God with him. You got God in you. Every moment of the day. He he had a, a little bit, but you know what? We live in a greater covenant where we got the Holy Spirit living on the inside. We got the power of the Most High living on the inside. He has made himself one with me. I am in absolute spiritual union. I and the Spirit are one absolutely and forever by his choice. He chose to take up residence in me and it cannot be changed. I am a child of God. I am a possessor of the Spirit of the Most High. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me in bodily form hey, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Man. sorry. But but you know what? All of this is amazing. You can say, Joshua, no wonder he was courageous. The benefits you have are way more. They're way better. You got a way better covenant. Can I get an amen? So let me just do this, all right? I'm going to finish up right now. I'm going to meddle just a little bit with you. Can I do that? I want to ask you courage. I mean, I'm not asking you every day of your life to look for some massive, huge act that you can be courageous. You know, I want you to just be courageous in this realm. You ready? I want you to do this. Would you ask for help? Well, that's not courageous. No, really, it is. There's a lot of pride people. Pride people. Proud people. People who will not say, help me. I'm like that. I don't want to show weakness. I met with somebody the other day, and they said, you know what I like about you? You're vulnerable, and you tell us about all your failings. I said, well, thank you. <laughs> I had a, another couple. We I remember the time we had marriage counseling right in front of everybody and brought in a counselor, and we had marriage counseling. I had somebody come to us later, and they like, I can't believe you did that. I've never seen a pastor say, I need help. I've never, if you say you need help, how could you lead us? I mean, if you need help, I mean, how could you possibly be a pastor? And I went, well, I need help. I'm asking you, would you be courageous, and, and would you ask for help? Because you know it, you know it, and I know it. There's some things in your world that need to get fixed up. And it won't get fixed up until you say, I need help over here. We're a quiet, desperate, proud group of people. A lot of pretenders, especially among Christians, we're all pretending we got it together. How you doing, brother? Oh, praise God, hallelujah, glory to God, Uh, don't ask for help from just anybody either. Ask for help from him. But, but push up. Commit yourself to faithful people. Find good associations and friends. But I don't know, there's times I've needed help. And I thank God that there's people here in this community. And I thank God I have a pastor. His name's John Christensen. He is my pastor. And everybody knows that. Do you have a pastor? Do you have relationships with people that can help you? I had a a couple in this church call me. I think they're super-duper Christians. And in my super-duper Christian category, my file of super-duper Christians, they're in that file. And one day they called me for help, and they were going through something with the family and they needed prayer, and they said, Pastor, pray for us about this situation. I went, wow. I think they're so awesome, and they asked me for help. But you see, they understand the principle of the headship giftings of Christ, and they realize that God Almighty was smart enough to anoint somebody to be pastor in your world. He has a gift. He doesn't have it. He doesn't operate in it. He embodies a gift to help you. We have elders. We have people that are in your world. We have people that are there to help you. I don't do any counseling, by the way. <laughs> but I do pray. I do advise. I do uh, mentor and help people. But if it's something that's going to take a long time, I do refer that. You need uh, somebody. Who, they do that every day of their lives. I know the word. I can pray. I can command. I can break things off. Of lives. I can exercise the authority of Almighty God, and I can release His power into your world. I really can. And I'm really, really touched when people like that call and say, "Pastor, would you pray for us? We're going to go through something that we've never been this way before, and we just want God's help and guidance. And we just want you to bless us in this journey in our lives." And I went, man. I really do. I know I can. I know I'm anointed to do it. I want to. But I'm so blessed that you guys asked for help. Are you guys all still here? It takes courage. I see a lot of people, they don't ask for help, and then their world falls apart, and it's a mess, and marriages fall apart, and things go sideways, and somewhere way back here, you should have said, hey, maybe we should get some help. Wowzers, eh? How many want to see the picture of the guy in front of the tank? That's you. It's time to stand in front of that tank and say that's enough. Okay, that was good. I want you to be courageous and let it go. You know what? Let it go. Has anybody ever failed before like failed really good? Anybody successfully really blown it? Yeah. Let it go. If you've been hurt, you've you've had a painful circumstance, somebody's hurt you, somebody's betrayed you, you've been through painful things, really painful things, would you be courageous today and let it go? Hey, this is good, eh? Joshua conquered all kinds of mighty men, woo! Would you ask for help? Would you stay with your commitments? What would happen if people really kept their word? If people really stayed with their commitments? Would you be faithful? Would you stay with your commitment? It's hard to do stuff and say, "Let's go, everybody. Yeah, who. Who was, was going to do that? Yeah,, no, they didn't show up. Oh, Let's go, everybody! Well, I, I got options, Pastor. Oh, okay. I'm the only one with no options. Okay. <sighs> <sighs> how many felt the anointing right there? I did say I'm going to meddle a bit, right? I to mean, talk about real courage. I mean, I mean how many wanna, I want to do the great exploit, Pastor? How about just show up? Let's do the last one. Would you open your heart to others? Nah. It's my group right here. You don't believe like me? A lot of people don't believe like you. A lot of people don't see the world like you do. A lot of people have a whole lot of different opinions about a lot of things. Doesn't mean we all got to withdraw from each other. We got to understand that, you know what, we got differences. And we can celebrate differences. I'm not talking about, I don't believe in Jesus. I mean, you know what? You know what? You can still be my friend and not believe in Jesus. We had somebody in our small group that was regularly in our small group, in the True Zach, was in our small group saying, I don't believe in Jesus, but kept coming to the small group. But the 12th small group said, I think I'm a believer. And you know why we got there on that journey? Because you're absolutely loved, absolutely accepted, and you can be a part of my world. You can sit in front of me and say, I don't believe in Jesus. I go, I love you, and it's absolutely amazing that that you're totally free to say that. I only hang out with people who believe like me. (sighs) Small world. Hey, wow, we're getting really in the weeds here, aren't we? Would you open your heart to others? Let me talk about some courage. You ready for some courage? But he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant, and he was in the likeness of man. Jesus was willing to put on a mask to hang out with you. Jesus wore a mask? Yeah, he who was not in the form of sinful flesh put on that garment so he could redeem you. Oh, now you're meddling. By the way, I hate masks. And I'm very excited that on Sundays I get to preach and not wear one. I think I wear one less than probably most everybody. I hate it. But if it lets me get exposed to more people, I'm all for it. Because it's not about me. The one who had it all became of no reputation emptied himself of every privilege of divinity because he loves you so would you be courageous hey now here we're going to go into ephesians again you ready ephesians 3:12 because this is really Joshua in the new covenant you ready christ now gives us courage see in the old covenant he said be courageous but the new covenant says i have given you courage so you don't have to walk out here you're going, I better find a way to be courageous. pastor wants me to be courageous. Look what it says. It says Christ now gives you courage and confidence so that you can come to God by faith. Man. Hey, who's got courage? Anybody got courage? I got courage. Woo! It doesn't come or go. It's from him and it's, it's boundless and it's free. Finally. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, let us. The mighty strength of the Lord make you strong. This isn't about your strength. This isn't about your capacity to work it up and do something big. This is about God is at work in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. Come on, stand on your feet, folks. Declutter. Let's get that done, but then let's determine... Let's align ourselves with the spirit of God, the courage of God, the boldness of God, the strength of God. And let's do this, not in my strength, not in our own strength, but let's put a big demand on the strength of God. And let's see him work incredible things out in our hearts and lives. Amen.